0: All right, my friends, thanks for tuning into the podcast, where, as always, we'll discuss the professional literature and the evidence-based protocol as they relate to the effective treatment of clinically significant anxiety symptoms. I'm Chris Lines, licensed psychotherapist and OCD spectrum disorders treatment specialist. And this, well, this is OCD Straight Talk. It's not uncommon, you know, for people with OCD to to walk in the door thinking that they have post-traumatic stress disorder. It's not uncommon for people with OCD to walk in the door having been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. And and I think that there's good reason for this. You know, when you look at the, the, the two side by side, you know, in contradistinction, Uh, To one another, what you see is, well, there's a lot of overlap. And by this point, maybe that doesn't surprise you. Maybe this begins to make some sense that when you look at the anatomy of these anxiety related disorders, as as uh, David Barlow identifies them. That you see. Well, the anatomy looks pretty similar. That's not to say there's there's no distinction. That's not to say that that the the separation uh between these diagnostic categories is a mirage. well, no, that's not that's not true, but it's also not true that they're so distinct that they're so different from each other that there isn't any real substantive. Objective similarity. So, I mean, I think that when you're looking at trauma, you have this idea of an obsession. And of course, it's not called that. And it shouldn't be called that. It's called an intrusive memory or a flashback. And it's based upon the past. It's based upon previous experiences that were really, really horrific that were in in every uh clinical uh, sense traumatizing. you know it's not it's not a an intrusive memory that points necessarily to the future or at least if it does, there's a sense in which. It is still oriented primarily to the past. That is to say, there might be a sense in which individuals who are traumatized now have beliefs that the world is a dangerous place, right? And that they are weak and vulnerable in it. And that therefore, when they leave their homes and and they go to the marketplace, that they're in, in genuine and in imminent danger of course that's future oriented even if it's just seconds or minutes away but it's informed by past experiences really horrific and traumatizing past experiences that that revisit them if you will in the form of these flashbacks or uh, or intrusive memories so you can uh sort of identify this this obsessional component, if you will, within the post-traumatic stress disorder construct. And of course, you have a compulsive element too. And this often comes in the form of, of avoidance patterns, right? That individuals will will work to avoid certain kinds of places or specific places, certain kinds of people, if you will, or specific people. They'll avoid avoid kinds of situations or specific situations as a way of managing the frequency and the intensity of the intrusive memories. For example, they'll, they'll avoid firing guns or being around guns, or they'll avoid movies about combat exposure if, in fact, they're combat veterans who suffer from trauma memories relative to these experiences, you know that makes some good sense because when they fire guns or when they're around guns or when they hear loud noises or, or they see uh, movie clips relative to to combat exposure and, and so on, they have these flashbacks, right? And they they vividly re-experience traumatic uh, memories. And so they engage avoidance patterns as a way of managing both the intrusive memories and this significant distress that is elicited by them. This is somebody who walks in the door with OCD might say, well, I have trauma. And maybe that's especially because they've been through difficult times and they've experienced really hard shit and and that's and that's real and it makes good sense and it really does but one of the important differences between post traumatic stress disorder and ocd is this sense of chronology and you can sort of point to it like this to say that obsessions most typically now now hear my language i'm not saying always i didn't say universally or in every case. I didn't say that because that's not true, but most typically they're future-oriented. So I suppose the sort of climactic uh, and summary statement of the chronology discussion might be something like you can't have trauma without trauma. You can't be diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder Without experiencing an extremely traumatic event, right it's a criterion a issue, but I think that that raises a whole nother discussion because now we we have to wonder, well, what's an extremely traumatic event because that might vary from one person to another, and of course, there's objective responses to this question both within DSM-5 and within the the literature more broadly but this kind of discussion isn't uh, at its conclusion at the time of of this recording i mean there there's more uh, research that's coming out that's that's questioning the the kinds of experiences that carry the capacity of of generating a trauma response but i suppose to to some real uh, extent, this piece of the discussion is is really outside the scope of of a comparison between post traumatic stress disorder and OCD. the The point is that you can't have trauma without trauma, and the uh, the specifics of obsessive compulsive disorder relative to post-traumatic stress disorder. We're focusing on on symptoms and on uh, anxieties that are past-oriented in, in one uh, case and future-oriented, generally speaking, in the other. So I think that it's true that you can't have trauma without trauma, but it's not true that you can't have OCD without trauma there's this clear sort of chronological distinction to be drawn within the symptom presentation and the sort of the conceptualization of diagnosis. But you get back to the original individual in the room who is presenting for treatment and confused as to his or her diagnosis. And It makes sense that there's confusion because there's clear overlap within the symptom anatomy. There's a clear sense in which you can observe the anxiety producing cognition, the experience of clinically significant distress, and the ongoing and time consuming behavioral response, which is intended to aid the individual in managing the intensity of the aforementioned cognitive and and emotive symptoms. So it's it's true and it's right that language changes, right? If we're talking about post-traumatic stress disorder, then we're not talking about obsessions, we're talking about intrusive memories. If we're we're talking about uh, OCD, we're talking about compulsions, not necessarily avoidance patterns, although to be fair, most certainly avoidance patterns can fall squarely within the definition of compulsion. the point is the words, the language change from diagnostic uh, construct to diagnostic construct, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the anatomy of the symptoms changes too. And the point is that when you're talking about treatment and you're talking about therapeutic progress, when you're talking about the reduction of individuals functioning within their lives, what you're necessarily dealing with head-on and face-to-face is the idea of targeted behavior change we're having to identify the specific behavioral choices and patterns that are perpetuating the symptoms as they're experienced we have to be able to identify those behaviors and work to change them and of course we're changing those behaviors within the context of therapy in general but exposure therapy in particular. So when we're working with prolonged exposure therapy for PTSD, we're accompanying that prolonged exposure with avoidance patterns, um, prevention, if you will. We're working to stop the avoidance. Like I, I often say to you, you can't do exposure therapy if you're also doing compulsions. Well, think about this from, Uh, a PTSD perspective, you can't do exposure therapy, if you're also engaging avoidance, right? It doesn't work, one cancels the other out in either direction. And so similarly, if we're dealing with OCD, we have to be able to stop the compulsions, this becomes an essential aspect of successful treatment. It's very, very important, we have to be able to identify what's happening. But I suppose, We can easily see that there's overlap between the systems and that there's overlap between their treatment. The the point is, whether we're talking about trauma or OCD, we have to work to identify and stop psychopathogenic behaviors. Well, that's it for another episode of OCD Straight Talk. Feel free to reach out with any questions you might have to chrislines04 at gmail.com. If you found the podcast helpful, consider giving it a five-star rating or support OCD Straight Talk to help us produce more content.